The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. So, as I recall the story, it's mid to late 1950s. Johnny Cash writes a song called Folsom Prison Blues, which is about a man who shot a man in Reno just to watch him die and is now incarcerated in Folsom Prison. This then leads to him deciding the tremendously sensible decision to, you know, where I should perform? I should bring the wife and we should both go and perform inside Folsom Prison in front of a whole load of fairly rowdy, raucous, and excited um, inmates. The end result of this is uh, one of Johnny Cash's most successful albums. It begins a bit of a trend from him because he then goes on to do the same thing in San Quentin and it is probably one of the most memorable live performances of 1968 and it was on this date in 1968 Uh, with us live here is Pat Carty uh, music journalist and uh, broadcaster Pat this is one of those things that on the face of it for everybody involved for the warden for the uh, album for the the, um, record company for Johnny Cash himself this was just a bad idea well, was it though? Was it a bad idea? Who I mean, says I, I should perform? First of all, my hat's off to you in that excellent intro for avoiding the old captive audience gag that they were <laughs> working up towards it. Um, the, um, like you mentioned there about Fulsome Prison Blues, right, which was his second single in 1955. Now, he wrote that because when he was in the Air Force, I think he saw a movie about Fulsome Prison and wrote the song. And uh, that kind of had, that was very popular with inmates. Uh, surprisingly enough and they were writing him letters to say so he actually started performing in prisons as far back as 1957 he did a few you know it wasn't his uh, Fulsome Prison wasn't his first prison gig so to speak he'd done a few but around that time at that part of the 60s his career had waned a bit you know he um, he went down the, the avenue that a lot of musicians go down um, I know the contributor before me was talking about uh, eating the rainbow Actually, he, was eating, yes. he was eating a different kind of rainbow of, uh, of, of more narcotic substances and uh, you know he was, he was a bit away from the hits and he was trying to persuade the record company to do this live album and they didn't want to know you know, they were, they were promoting other pop acts or whatever. But the personnel changed in the record company. A fellow called Bob Johnson comes in, who Bob Dylan fans will know. He's the fellow who produced Blonde on Blonde and several other Dylan albums. And he thought it was a great idea. So it was Bob Johnson who contacted the prison services. And he contacted San Quentin and Folsom. And it was Folsom who answered the phone and came back to him. So that's why Johnny Cash did this. Now, a, a bad idea, I suppose, the idea of him going into Folsom Prison with his wife it seems to us like a like a strange thing, you know, and uh, and surely. I can imagine it now. Just imagine saying we're going to take Beyonce and Jay Z, and we're going to stick them in Leavenworth and see how that yeah. goes. Be a good show, that. <laughs> I'd go to that. <laughs> I mean, uh, the thing is, he took it very seriously. He actually did what, what was unheard of. He he went two days beforehand to California with the band, the Tennessee Three, and Carl Perkins was there as well, and the Statler Brothers, who people will remember from uh, Pulp Fiction. You remember that Flowers on the Wall in Pulp Fiction? That's um, the Cap- watching Captain yeah. Kangaroo. That's it, exactly. And they actually rehearsed for two days. One of the main reasons was there was a song written by an inmate called, and I have it written down here somewhere, uh, uh, Greystone Chapel by uh, Glenn Ch- uh, Shirley. A Fulton Prison he inmate. Was in, he was an inmate and he had passed that song to Johnny Cash's pastor who got it to Johnny Cash. So they wanted to rehearse up this song and be ready to go. And actually, here's another bit of trivia for you. While they were rehearsing, then Governor of California, Ronald Reagan, was speaking at the hotel where they were and went in to wish them well. So there's, there's another thing that happened before he got near Folsom at all. The other thing that seems strange to me, this is, we're gone to January 13th, so 55 years ago today. There was two performances. And the first one was at 20 to 10 in the morning. And the second one was at about 20 to 1 in the afternoon. And so most of the album, I think there's only two songs from the second performance, but it's at that time in the morning. 
But that's one of the things about the album. I think you could have done this at any time because when you listen to the crowd, oh, yeah. the, there is there's little aspects of vitriol and there's a sense of vengeance that they're getting a live there performance there's a- and there's joy that they're getting. Like it's one of the weirdest sounding audiences on any live it's album. It's like um, yeah, it's it's like this sense of. Um Unchained, if you excuse the pun, when when they, when they get to get to cheer. I mean, if you and I were going to the Olympia or something, and we went for a meal or something beforehand and had a drink, we'd be much more relaxed going in to see someone in the Olympia. Whereas if you're sitting in Folsom Prison and someone comes along, I mean, of course you're going to go. Yeah, to, crazy. Use, that, to use that '60s phrase, there are certain vibrations on this album there that is, you don't get is, in a lot of other. Ones. I mean, the, the 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 guy who introduced them, uh, the, the the movie uh, "A Walk the Line" starts off with this when he's waiting to go on stage at this, and so what they did is and. It's very famously opens with uh, "Hello, I'm Johnny Cash." I can't do the accent, but you Didn't know what I mean. Bad. And uh, so apparently, they told the the Carl Perkins got up and did blue suede shoes first. Then the Stadler brothers up. Then they told the inmates, "Don't cheer," until he introduces himself. So he gets up. They didn't cheer. He goes, "Hello, I'm Johnny Cash," and then you can hear this unleashed. And uh, then the choice of songs on the album, I think, is very... I mean, there's a few comedy songs on it, which people don't really remember. But stuff like Cocaine Blues and 25 Minutes to Go and The Long Black Veil and uh, Fulsom Prison Blues, obviously, Dark as a Dungeon, you know. And I heard you play earlier on, uh, what's the one with um, Jackson, with uh, with his wife, with June Carter, which you can just hear how electric that is, even though it's just a small band. I mean, your man who's playing the guitar is... Uh, Carl Perkins' cousin Luther and he, he was no Jeff Beck just to, to but um, I mean it's just the soul of, of Johnny Cash's performance there his voice his personality in it. I have to say I'm astonished to discover that the Statler Brothers were part of this performance oh, I yeah. know it because the Statler Brothers were sort of middle of the road Nashville grand well, old opera decent clean living country though. singers at the time maybe he would have been considered that by an audience at, not this audience but a general audience at the time as you said in the introduction this was a hit I mean the thing about it they released Fulsome Prison Blues as a single this is a good bit and it, it, it was doing okay but then Robert Kennedy got assassinated so record, record uh, radio stations pulled it because if I shot the man in Reno line the record company says here hold on a second sends Bob Johnson in remix that take out the line Johnny Cash protested to no avail and then it was a hit without that line now we never hear it without that line in it but it was a hit after that and then as you said a year later this was a huge hit uh, in not just number one in the, or number one I think in the country charts but also in the pop charts and then a year later he goes to San Quentin and that's bigger again that goes to number one in the pop charts and it has a boy named Sue on it so after that CBS come along and say hey you're one you, you look like a right guy for us give him a TV show very famous TV show that he did for a couple of years where he had all sorts of people on Joni Mitchell Bob Dylan Eric Clapton, all these kind of people. And uh, I suppose the legend of Johnny Cash is kind of built on this performance. But there's also... This the, is what we think of. There's a bravery... There's these photos. Like, I'm holding up... You can't <laughs> see it at home, folks. I'm holding up the cover and I'm showing it to Anton. Like, the, the cover is so iconic on its own. But that's part of... This is where I suspect... I never thought about it, but to some extent, that image of Johnny Cash is the sort of the rebel outlaw man in black thing. Yeah. The fact of writing a, an entire song hinged, because that, that lyric was the hinge. I shot a man in re- just that's to it. watch him die. Yeah. Likewise, a boy named Sue. Boy named Sue hinges on him lathering the lining out of his father. There's For a lot daring to call him Sue. Which, of course, the song makes no sense in the current climate, if you, if you see what I mean. But at the time, I suppose it was a different thing. You mentioned that at the time, his career, thanks in large part to Class A narcotics, yeah, was something yeah. in the doldrums. Did this have a, a, a positive net effect on album sales gener- and on his career generally? Absolutely. I, I think that uh, there's something real about it. So at the time, if we're talking about 1968 at the time, you know, people are... Uh, 
taking a lot of drugs and writing songs about flowers and things like that, which is all very well. But there's something real about this. You know, country music in general always has that, that it's kind of more adult music, I suppose, where it tells real stories. You know, the blues has that as well, and soul as well. But it's, you know, if so, if, if one part of society is... Talking, like Merle Haggard at, at the time was, was Oki from Muskogee. You know, we don't get our kicks on LSD and all that. So it's kind of feeding into that kind of thing. Well, I have... And I, Merle Haggard was in the audience. Literally, as you say the words, Brian from Atlone has texted us to say one of the inmates in Folsom Prison that day was Merle Haggard. Cash's that's, performance that's, well, inspired is, Merle uh, to pursue his own career in country. This is debated, but he was definitely in the audience for a performance by Johnny Cash in, in I'm not sure if it was Folsom. I'm not sure if he was there that day, but whatever performance he was at, I do remember reading that, he, he decided he'd turn his life around. And Merle Haggard became, what I would reckon, one of the greatest country songwriters of all time, so... You you say that uh, thing about the realism of country music. You know that old joke about what do you get if you play country music backwards? <laughs> I do, yeah, I <laughs> wife do. back, your dog back, I your do. truck back. So this wasn't the first because Johnny Cash then went on, of course, to have that second resurgence where he did wasn't it the, the Nine Inch Nails cover? Yeah, the, I well, heard my starts today. off in, in in the nineties, in the early to mid nineties. He makes an album called American Recordings with Rick Rubin. And he's kind of taken on as this, again, he'd, he'd been in the doldrums a bit. And he's, he's kind of becomes this iconic, cool figure again. And again, there's the cover of that album where he's standing with two dogs out and looks like a desert kind of scene. It's, it's, it's amazing because he was such a striking looking man, you know, not conventionally handsome, but a man's man. You know, he looks like a man. Yeah. My father went to see him once. I never <laughs> got to he? see him. My father saw him once. And I said, what was it like? You know, and he just said, look, you were in the room with the man. <laughs> it didn't really even matter what he sang. You were there with the man. Well, just a reminder, if you're only tuning in, this day, January 13th, 1968, was the day that Johnny Cash did that seminal performance in Folsom Prison that led to the resurgence, as Pat was describing, of his career. Pat, before I let you go, we it's uh, unfortunate to end on a slightly sad note, but it is, I think, worth marking the fact that uh, Lisa Marie Presley, it has been announced that she died today. She arrived into a, an L.A. hospital in um, cardiac arrest. Very sad to see somebody who, in theory, had all that you would have hoped for in terms of riches yeah. and celebrity family. But it looks like you wouldn't have traded her, I suspect. I don't think so. I mean, it's the old thing about growing up in public. It must be it must be very tough. If you go to Graceland, um, which I have done, uh, you know, the airplane is there lame, named after Lisa Marie. And I know she owned a big part of that as well. And I mean, I was reading today that one of her sons committed, I think this is true, one of her sons committed suicide during lockdown and he's buried beside Elvis in Graceland. And uh, she had her troubles. She was married to Michael Jackson one time. It was a weird, you know, there's some weird stuff going on in her life. She had narcotics troubles just like Johnny had as well. And I'm not saying for a second that it had to do with her demise. Um, it's, it is, it's, you know, all the money in the world, you know. It, it is. It's a tough thing. And, and in Elvis, I mean, you think about Elvis's career, the, the 70s when, when he divorced from Priscilla and all that, you can hear all that in the music, you know, he's singing stuff, Don't Cry Daddy, stuff like, you know that, yeah, stuff like that. And there's one or two pictures that I've been doing the rounds on social media where Lisa Marie is a very small girl. I mean, she looks about two or God, three God, he couldn't years. deny her as well. My That's God. It. And there's just these pictures where there's, you know, every now and then you see a, a father and child or a mother and child and there is an expression in the eyes yeah. and it's just contentment and love and warmth in each other's pre mm. presence. And it's sad that it went the way that it did. But yeah, so 54 years of age. Yeah, it's nothing at all, yeah. Exactly. Pat, Total pleasure to have you in. Thank you Thanks, so much. Tom. That Thanks, is uh, Pat Cardi, 53106, if uh, you can absolutely nail down whether or not Merle Haggard was in the audience because Brian maintains that he was. Let's say it's a good story. Let's say <laughs> exactly. Let's not get truth in the way of a good story. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.